In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up or binding him. Then they can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all of their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, for they are guilty of an eternal sin. Well, welcome everyone to the Salty Pastor. I'm Dr. Douglas Peak, your very own Salty Pastor. And currently, my co-host, uh, one who just makes this so fun and exciting, Jesse Mayer, is not with us again this week because he is traveling back from the Holy Land. He took a pilgrimage there, so we're really excited for him. Now, there's a couple things that I'd just like to take care of real quick before we jump into today's Bible study, and that has to do with the men's boot camp that is coming up. Now, I know there's a lot of you uh, who live in different states who listen to the Salty Pastor. And so I just wanted to extend an invitation to you if you wanted to take a short trip and see the mountains of Idaho. I'd love for you to fly up and join us for a boot camp for men. It's going to be a great time. There's lots of things that happen uh, for the entire weekend that we are together. We are not sitting in a room listening to someone talk very much. This is a very interactive, uh, team-building uh, period of time. It's a, a learning period of time. I'll be speaking at two of the main sessions, and many of the other uh, leaders in our church who are men will be uh, speaking as well. There's six speaking sessions. Other than that, everything else is interactive. And so we'd love to have you. Also, there's great opportunity to go to the shooting range where we uh, fire off a lot of the uh, large weapons. There'll be a bunch of AR-15s there and other guns. There's also an opportunity to go on a championship zip line and ropes course. Uh, there's also golf right there at Cascade Lake. It's a beautiful nine-hole golf course, and a lot of the guys will go and play a full of 18 on it. They love playing up there because it's so uh, majestic as you play. There's also a number of other things that are going on uh, for men, some things more active and some things less active. Uh, we have a lot of men who are retired and for health reasons are not able to really do a whole lot, but boy, they love to get together and spend some time during these activities, uh, building friendships, relationships, and most importantly, mentoring other men. So here's an ad for it real quick. I just wanted you to watch it. Looks pretty exciting, doesn't it? Well, 
Also, I wanted you to know that the Salty Pastor is in development of its own website. We want to move all the content that we have done over to a new YouTube channel and a new website in order to increase the content. And the reason we're doing this is because the church has so much content that it has put on our YouTube channel and the internet that when you go on there, it's just, I mean, it's really difficult to find what you're looking for because there's just so much. We have multiple podcasts. We have multiple messages. We have multiple services. We have multiple teaching for kids in our FH kids ministry is really large. We have a tremendous amount of, uh, cartoon videos that teach, uh, biblical and moral principles to kids. And so the point is, is that it's just become so unwielding. It's difficult to find what you're looking for. So what we want to do is we want to move the salty pastor over to its separate thing, its separate channel. So, so that you can then search for content in two basic ways. The first thing you can do is just look up a passage of scripture. And if we have uh, taught on that passage, then you'll be able to find the podcast episode that corresponds to that passage of scripture. Also, you can do it by theme. So if there's something that we have tagged as a theme that we covered in that particular podcast episode, love for you to be able to go there, find it, and then listen to it or share it, you know, with somebody because you're like, oh man, I remember this, but I don't remember what episode it was. Well, by doing this, we hope to be able to uh, make it easier for you and support the growth of the Salty pastor, which also leads me to the final thing. And that is if you would like to participate in financially supporting the salty pastor, because you live out of state, you're not a part of foothills. That's awesome. You can go to our uh, website. You can click on donate. It takes you to a company called push pay that allows you it's secure. It's encrypted and it's a platform used by tons of people similar to, you know, all these other ones, Venmo, PayPal, so forth. It allows you to, uh, uh, give directly from a credit card or from your debit account. And that's what we encourage. And you can give directly to the salty pastor. All you do is when it goes in there, it says, well, in the memo, do you want to go to general fund or do you want it to go to missions? You'll see in there a drop down list that says salty pastor. Just click on that. It'll go directly to that and it'll help this ministry grow. So if you're out of state and this has blessed you, boy, I'd love for you to participate in supporting the salty pastor. Now we are currently in a series called Desperado. And the reason why is because I am really concerned about men, uh, particularly what society is doing to men. I've been a pastor since 1987, so that's 36 years, and it has become increasingly bad for men as I have watched what our society is doing. Now, I could talk about all of the research that's been done on the war on boys and how our public education system is so stacked against boys and the development of their masculinity that in many ways they don't stand a chance. I could talk about feminism and its influence on our media, uh, in news and in our politics, uh, that they have propagated this false notion that there's this patriarchy where men have oppressed women for centuries. And so until we break free of that, uh, women will never be equal. It's a false narrative. It's been a false narrative. It's always been a false narrative because up until about 120 years ago, every Everybody was oppressed. 
I mean, we were all oppressed and by partnering together, males and females often was the only way both of us could survive. And so it's very important to understand that, you know, in the late 1800s up to 1900, 1905, 90% of all Americans lived on less than a dollar a day well below the the poverty level uh, uh, globally. So it's really important to understand that there's not been this centuries of oppression going on, this patriarchy. It is a myth that has been established by feminists in their attempt to uh, uh, propagate their Marxist ideology and their Marxist utopia. And so that's a problem. That's been an issue. And it's filtered down into media and movies and every thing else to where now men do not have, uh, in my opinion, any type of, uh, organization, institution, or group that is trying to help them discover who they are. Men are increasingly isolated. Less than 27% of men in their fifties have any close friends. That's zero close friends. 60% of 24 to 30 year old males are not married 60%. And guess what? Two thirds of them don't even want to date. They don't even want to date another woman. That's a problem. The fastest growing segment of the internet right now, uh, speakers and influencers are guys that focus on men and male rights, men's issues, so to speak. One in particular, who's probably the most talented. Uh, my youngest son has seen tons of his uh, uh, his reels in his TikToks and things of these natures. His name is Andrew Tate. He is effectively, what's really interesting about him right now is he has effectively diagnosed the problem for young men in today's world. He is talking about how they're disaffected and how society is trying to oppress them and turn them into sheep. And so he's, he's kind of done a decent job of diagnosing the issue. But when you listen to his uh, prescription on how to fix it, it's absolutely abhorrent. He, he treats women uh, like property. He, he doesn't, tr I mean, it's unbelievable the stuff that he says on how to treat women. And so one of the things that I think is really important to understand is that this is what young men are listening to because they're so disaffected. There's another man who is very wealthy, uh, published a lot of books. Uh, he has a, a podcast and a ministry, not a ministry, but a speaking thing called entrepreneurs and cars. And he's another guy that has a very dim view of women, so to speak. And uh, a lot of, uh, these guys are part of, uh, uh, kind of this whole genre called, uh, MGTOW, M G T O W. And what they're doing is they're basically saying, men, you need to go your own way and you need to do your own thing and forget about women. Now this of course is much to the chagrin of women because it, it seems that the advice of all of these people on the internet and all these prophets of the new masculinity is that in order to regain your masculinity or get in touch with it, you need to develop a really dim view of women. Now, some of their diagnostics are good because they're pointing to feminism and, and what feminism has produced women into. And so that has become extremely unattractive to males. And that's important to understand. A lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's true is that feminism has lied to women. Women believe the lie 
and then they become extremely unattractive to males and then they wonder what the problem is. Well, feminism tells them, well, it's because of men. That's the problem, but that's not true. Jordan Peterson has done some really good work on this and he says the first lie that society tells young women is that the most important thing about you is your career. And so then they talk, he says, the second lie is that you're never going to uh, feel significant unless you have a really great career. And then third, it says you should subordinate. This is a third lie. He says you subordinate uh, marriage and children to having a career. And he says, as a clinical psychologist who's been in practice for 30, 40 years, he says, I have seen this destroy more women than anything else. He's not saying women shouldn't uh, have great education, have the tools to do jobs. And if they have a proclivity for doing you, you want a situation where people's skill sets have equal access to thrive. I mean, everybody wants that. His point is that when you lie to women and tell them that this is who they are when they're really not, it creates a tremendous amount of psychological damage. And one of the outflows of this is they become very unattractive to men. And now they're wondering what's going on. And what I'm saying is that there needs to be a new perspective, a fresh perspective, one that values both the max masculine and the feminine. It, it, being masculine doesn't mean denigrating and devaluing the feminine and being feminine doesn't mean devaluing and degrading the masculine. We need a worldview that stops attempting to treat males and females as non-sexed, androgynous beings that are just interchangeable. We are not egalitarian. Female bodies are not male bodies and vice versa. That is just a biological fact. My wife and I, we were talking the other day about it a little bit. She was talking about feminine. I was talking about masculine. And I go, well, one of the things, you know, is that they've always tapped males for extremely difficult labor and for war and all that kind of stuff. And we were talking about it. She goes, why do you think that is? And I said, well, the male body is built for blunt force drama. And she started laughing. She says, well, I want to write that down. And the reason why is because it is. Uh, the bones are more dense, the muscle tissue more dense. And that is, man, you can be walloped with a lot of blunt force trauma. Yeah. And keep going, man. When, when guys, you know, there's guys that have been shot who just keep going. And so it's really quite remarkable what the male body can tolerate. Now there's other things the male body can't tolerate. Some people point out things like a cold, you know, a guy gets a cold and what happens? He's like, come take care of me. Well, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of charming myself, but my point is, even though that was humorous, is to just point out that female bodies are different than male bodies and they're not interchangeable parts. They're just not. And when we try to do that, and it, we, we end up with a messed up society. And what we end up doing is we end up creating incredible evil. And what we're doing today because of this belief system is now we have this transgender and radical gender ideology in the public school systems. It is being taught even in the state of Idaho in our school systems. And what's happening is the goal is, is in these policies and procedures is to not tell parents if children want their children want to transition and then they want to have what they call medically affirming care 
This is a lie. It means pumping children full of puberty blockers and then mutilating them uh, in regards to their genitalia. And I've said this before, there's doctors in the Treasure Valley who support this, right? And who are practicing in this way. These people are evil. And the, the profession of physicians in the Treasure Valley should find out who these people are and should complain because the you took an oath as a doctor, do no harm, and this is harm. This is absolutely unequivocal harm to mutilate children. That may sound salty, but it's fact. And you can call me whatever name you want, I don't care. I don't give a flying flip if you think I'm something and you wanna give me some label because I know what side I stand on. I stand on the side of mutilating children for your sexual agenda is evil. It's never gonna be good, it's never gonna be right. I don't care how many APAs and organizations you get stamped behind it, it's always evil and it's always strong. And the only way that this is gonna continue is if men, men like me and men like you, tolerate it. Let that sink in for a second, is if we tolerate it. Which leads me to uh, the passage of scripture that I want us to focus on today. And that is a really unique situation. It's recorded in Mark chapter 3 and then the synoptic. And the meaning, the meaning of the word synoptic means the same situation is recorded in other gospels, right? And so you can read the, the corresponding account in Matthew and you can also read it in John, it's Matthew chapter 12, John, and we're in Mark 3. And I, I just want to read this one because it's really interesting because what happens is it's a situation between his family and the Pharisees and miracles that he's committing. Uh, and so how it kind of all comes together in one shot and creates all these issues that allow us then to find out some very unique and incredibly important things. First, I'm just going to read it, okay? And uh, it's uh, beginning with verse 20, and it goes through verse 30. And then we'll go back, and I'd like to kind of break it down a little bit, okay? Now, Jesus entered a house and began, uh, and again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So when his family heard this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up or binding him. Then they can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all of their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, for they are guilty of an eternal sin." He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. 
So I just kind of want to get you the sense that what Mark is doing is recording this event that happened and he's bringing together a bunch of stuff. There's a lot, you know, and he's just making a very succinct statement about it. Okay. And let's break it down and go through it. Number one, Jesus entered, verse 20, a house, and again a crowd gathered. So what happens, wherever Jesus went, people were swarming him, so much so that his disciples were not even able to eat. So you could just imagine for a second that this is like uh, you know, like a celebrity going to thing, and everybody's just pressing in, and they, they're just trying to, they can't even function. They can't even eat because so many people are pressing in. It's so crowded. There's such a disturbance, right? And it says on, when his family heard about it, they went to take charge of him. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to basically go and say, you're not making decisions for yourself anymore, so we're going to make them for you. And in order to do that, right, they had to have him declared unclean mentally or he's out of his mind. So he's up north teaching around the Sea of Galilee. His family's not happy with the stir he's making, so they go to take charge of him, right? They're going to try to basically in a kind of not capture or imprison, but kind of like a modern day form of they wanted to commit him, you know, get him committed. And because they believed he was out of his mind. Now, the very next sentence is this, the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, so it, it appears that what they did is this was a stir that had been going on for a while. And so they sent someone to Jerusalem to appeal to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Probably more than likely they had talked to their local rabbi in the synagogue there in Capernaum or somewhere. And they then appealed to authority which is these teachers of the law in Jerusalem. And so they come down, meaning Jerusalem's up on a hill, Sea of Galilee low. Sea of Galilee, a lot of people don't know. I think it's 800 feet below sea level. So it's pretty low. And then you get down to the Dead Sea and it's even, I mean, it's like 15, 1800 feet deep below sea level. So it's way down there. But so that's why they say they came down, even though it's north, they came down from Jerusalem to a lower elevation and what they're t saying to these Pharisees, he's out of his mind. And so what these Pharisees can do is they can basically say, you're unclean. And what that does is that allows a certain quarantining of Jesus. The, it, it allows them to quarantine him, so to speak. And kind of that's what's going on, okay? And the accusation that they come and say, well, he's out of his mind, and this is what they say, because he is possessed by Beelzebub, which is the word for Satan or Lucifer. So the accusation they make is one of authority. So they're coming down in authority and they're using an accusation of authority. Well, he's using power to do this because he is part of them. So Jesus then calls them over and he engages in a dialogue with them, okay? And he speaks to them and he says this, how can Satan drive out Satan if a kingdom is divided against itself that kingdom cannot stand? And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, his end has come. So what Jesus has been doing is casting out demons, right? And everybody's witnessing this. If you go into the Matthew uh, account. It talks about how Jesus just prior to this heals a man possessed by a demon that made him mute 
and blind. And so Jesus heals him. Now he can see and speak. So that's pretty dramatic, right? So these people are really, wow, there's obviously authority here and power here. And look at what Jesus is doing. He, he's um, challenged on the basis of power because what he's done is exert a huge amount of power. I want you to think about that for a second. He exerts a huge amount of power. Therefore, the, uh, the Pharisees are saying, well, it's misaligned power. It, it's from the kingdom of this world. And then Jesus points to an undeniable fact. Okay, this is an axiomatic truth, meaning a principle that never changes, like the law of gravity. He says, kingdoms that have authority and power all must function on basic laws. Right? There's, there's a law that every kingdom has to function under. In one of those laws, there must be a common unifying value under which all citizens of the kingdom operate. If there's a division, then the kingdom will fall. So if the person in charge doesn't live up to the values of their own kingdom, it falls. So he's making a clear statement, right? He says, then he goes on to this. In fact, as a matter of fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house, right? And take everything that he has. So here's where it gets really interesting. He goes, this is a fact. Everybody knows this is a fact, right? And what's the fact? Well, the fact is you cannot go in and do harm to somebody, take their stuff, unless you are stronger than them. You must tie them up first. You must bind the strong man. So this is really interesting because this is what uh, a, a bunch of Navy SEALs and a bunch of uh, different units in the military uh, have used. It's a quote from a writer in 4th century, I believe, Rome. And it's basically this, sis v pesum parabellum. And it basically means this, if you want peace, you must prepare for war. And this is basically what Reagan did when he said, if we want peace, we need to prepare for war with the Russians. And ultimately that defeated what he called the evil empire. Prior to that, Teddy Roosevelt, as our president used to say this, walk softly, but carry a very big stick. And so it's this idea. And Jesus is where they, these guys get that idea from. I think they got it from here where Jesus says, if you want to do the strong man harm, if you want to go in and you want to plunder his house, you better tie him up first. Okay. Therefore the protector of the house must be dealt with. So it's an issue of power. Okay. Now look what he says next. I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy spirit will never be forgiven. They're guilty of an eternal sin. Okay. So what is this sin? Well, it's when you take the things, right? The testimony of the Holy spirit, because in John 17, it says that he will send a comforter John 16 and 17, and the role of the comforter is to what? Convict the world of its sin and testify that Jesus is the Son of God. And so when you deny that Jesus is the Son of God and you deny that he has the authority, when you deny Christ, that is what he considers to be the eternal sin, the unpardonable sin, okay? So in our remaining time together, what I want to do is I want to apply this passage of Scripture 
to you as a man, okay? And the first thing is this, is when you come to know Jesus, you are a strong man. And even if you haven't met him yet, I still believe you're a strong man. There are things about you created in the image of God that you need to know that are in you because you're masculine. Number one, you are meant to provide. That means you're driven to add value. You want to be on a team. You want to make a difference. You want to pull your own weight. Most importantly is you want to work. There's such nobility in work. There's such joy for men in work. There's such honor in work for men. The whole sense that I can pull my own weight. What a powerful thing. You're driven in that way because you're masculine. Number two, the masculine soul is driven to protect. What does that mean? Well, it comes out in a lot of different ways, but one of the things is you're a builder. You want to build. Uh, the masculine soul protects by building houses and shelters and it for building streets and infrastructure, for building businesses and building, you know, communities and building institutions. And men are builders because it comes from that desire to protect. Because when you're organized and you're building, you're not only providing, but you're protecting things as well. Like our justice system is designed to do what? Protect the weak. That's what it's designed to do. Uh, protection is about innovating, right? Uh, so much innovation that has occurred in the world, the technological in innovation, the scientific innovation, the, the industrial innovation that we have, mechanical uh, innovation that we have, comes from men who want to protect, want to protect people from elements, protect them when they're in their homes from fires and from calamity and, and uh, hurricanes and uh, tornadoes and earthquakes. You know, so there's a lot of technology that has come in to try to try to help protect people, you know, policemen and firemen and people serving in the military is this notion to not only build and innovate, but fight, fight for justice, fight for truth, fight for these things. Uh, the, another powerful thing of your masculine soul is be fruitful and multiply. You are driven towards sexual intimacy. Your sex drive is one of the most powerful drives within you. The drive to bear children, to, uh, to be a father, to it changes a man when he starts to fulfill this desire and drive within his masculine soul. Uh, another drive is to belong, to have a band of brothers, a tribe, a community of other men that you're bound to, friends and family that depend on you and you depend on them. And that's important to understand. That's strength. All of these things, these drives, drive you as a man towards something that is strong because you are strong. But guess what? In order for all of these things to be perverted, for all of these things to be stolen from you, you must be bound in order for your house to be plundered. Okay? The strong man in this story is you. And you must be bound in order for your house to be plundered. So the focus is always on the binding due to the fact that Satan isn't omnipresent, meaning he can be everywhere all the time like God. He must rely on the natural pull of evil in the world. See, this is why he deceived Adam and Eve is because he needed us to invite humanity evil into the world. And when human beings ate of the tree of good and evil, right, the knowledge of good and evil, right, we embraced evil and we brought it into this material world, okay? 
that evil then became sin and sin is passed on to all men. Now the Bible in Romans five never actually tells us how it passes on. And there's different theologies about that. The point is, is it's passed on everybody. Every single human being has sinned except for Jesus, you see. And we know that the wages of sin is death. So that's why we all die. So due to the fact that Satan is using the natural pull of evil because he can't be everywhere at once. He's basically, you know, pushed, you know, we, we invited the, the snowball into this reality and Satan pushed it off the cliff. So he's relying it to just do its damage as it creates and gathers momentum. And so what is the natural pull then of this snowball? What is the natural pull of this sin in our lives? Well, it, it's a perversion of these God-given masculine drives. Okay. So your drive to provide, your drive to protect, your drive to multiply, your drive to belong. All of those now have been perverted, okay? Provision and your desire to provide goes from, I, I just don't want to be on a team and add value and pull my own weight. It, it goes to, I want the power and control to do whatever I want. I want the money. I want the power. I, and that, so pride comes into that. And so the whole notion of provision becomes power. Uh, the, the drive to protect, add value, to innovate, and to build is warped by pride, right? It's perverted by pride to where you want control so you can dictate. Uh, the biggest area for men is multiply, our sex drive. The number one thing used against men today is your drive towards sex. And the reason why so many men uh, are unable to overcome the misalignment, the misapplication of their sex drive is because they participate in sexual immorality. Uh, they participate in these things. They feel guilty and ashamed. So then what they try to do is deny their sex drive, you know, and that doesn't work because you're denying a soul thirst. And so that that's why it's such a powerful manipulator of men belonging right? So many men are now, they, they don't understand how to belong. They don't know how to be friends with other people. The reason so many men don't have friends is because you're a lousy friend, right? You, you think friends exist solely to make you feel better about yourself. If you want to be a good friend, then bring something to your friendships. You know, you want to give, you want to encourage, you want to inspire. And so, but that drive has been perverted the need to belong by this selfishness or narcissism that has become so prevalent in our society. So what is the result? Well, the result is the more divided against yourself you become, the more bound you become, right? And then your life falls apart. The area, um, I mean, there's all kinds of words for this. And the area it applies most is this is like, you'd say, well, I'm misaligned. I don't know myself. I lack focus. I'm too narcissistic. I'm too prideful, self-directed, whatever. The bottom line is when you live in a way that is contrary to your spiritual created nature, your life is a mess. Your life is absolutely mess. You're trying to be something you're not. So how do you become aligned? That's the real question as a man. How do you say, how do I become a strong man that is never bound? 
Well, you accept the invitation to live in the kingdom of God. It is in his kingdom where there is only one will, and that's his will, not your will. In the kingdom of God, there's only one purpose. It's his purpose, not your purpose. And there is so much freedom and strength and power in that you can't imagine. It's really interesting to me about, you know, I'm fascinated with BUDS training for Navy SEALs, uh, kind of the special forces training in the army and, uh, you know, the highest level of Marines and so forth. Uh, it's really fascinating to me in their, their training. And that is, is that the more you submit yourself to the team, the more you submit yourself to, uh, suffering together as a team in the mission, right? The more free you become. It's really interesting in Bud's training, their, their goal is not only is to root out weak minded men, right? And he says, physical men, the capacity to physically is thing, but what's a weak minded man, a man who only does it for himself. Isn't that interesting that they don't want a guy. They will take a guy that is less physically uh, inclined or less skilled because he is so a part of a team and knows how to be on a team than a guy who has exemplary skills, but he's a lone ranger and doesn't want to be with the team. See, that, that's really fascinating to me. And that comes from this principle. And that is you as a man need something to bend your knee. You need something that says, I will follow. I want to follow you. This is why Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Now, if I may conclude uh, today, and we'll pick some more up on this on Thursday, I'd just like you to know something, and that is, is that in the New Testament, Jesus never asked a man to accept him as Lord and Savior of his life. And that is the predominant language of what we as a church ask men to do today. Jesus, over and over again, said this to men, follow me. And what he meant is, you must deny yourself. You must bend the knee to me. And in doing so, you will find new life. You will find freedom. You will find everything that you were looking for. Most importantly, you will discover your true and authentic masculine soul. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to, not next week, I'm sorry. On Thursday, we're going to dig into more practical application of how we uh, live as unbound men by being under the authority of our king and leader, Jesus Christ. You want to miss Thursday's episode? Can't wait to share with you then. In the meantime, this is a salty pastor as we bring together our podcast for today, signing off saying, men, be of good courage for the Lord your God is with you. Blessings.